When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, folks. Welcome back. A quick turnaround. Mountain Wire podcast. MWR.com. The reason I say quick turnaround, because if for some reason you didn't listen to our other show, what are you doing? We just broke down transfer portal, uh, secret, not so secret Hawaii meeting on Twitter spaces. It's transfer portal, but we're here, Matt. This is now our official Mountain West title game preview between San Diego State and Utah State. Yeah, I mean, but let's 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 put it out there out front, though. Um, if if you were just sincerely interested in learning more about Saturday first, we do not blame you. No, that's fine. The show we just did will be a little bit more um, not evergreen, but it'll last longer than this podcast by a couple of days at least. Definitely. The only, the only thing that'll change is like. Probably uh, some more portal guys from Hawaii, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And maybe a Fresno State head coach. We'll see. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. I didn't ask you this moment ago, but do you have a timeline about when do you think that could happen? Because early signing days, like in three weeks. Uh, the indication or two seems, weeks. Indication seems like it to be that they're going to try and make it happen pretty quickly. Same as last time. Okay. All right. So let's get to the preview. Mountain West Football Championship game. Utah State on the road. San Diego State, who is sort of hosting this game at Carson, California. Noon Pacific kickoff, Fox. So how would you feel, Matt, if you're a fan of this team and you're not at home, but you're kind of but you're hosting? <laughs> Seems a bit awkward, right? I mean, it is a little strange, but they I mean there's there's little doubt that they've they've made do. True. And and six to point the, to the fans' credit, the, the you know, basically since I believe the Towson game. Because the Utah the Utah game was their first home game of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Towson was the second one. So since the Towson game, their attendance has increased with every home game, and that includes everybody being there on a Black Friday morning last week against Boise State. So it's trending in there. I mean, granted, it's it, they haven't cracked twelve thousand fans yet. Not, not quite. But they've they've been on the upswing, and that's a credit to those fans making the trip from from San Diego because that's that's not an easy trip to make. It's like two two and a half hours. Could be, depending on traffic and time of day. This game, early afternoon, well, I guess actually afternoon, Aztecs are now a six-point favorite, over under 50. This is clearly not the um, – I guess we I should bring up, because I'm going to post this about our preseason rankings, how bad we were. But this was nobody in the media, nobody us – unless you're – I hate all the tweets. I'm like, oh, I told you you guys didn't listen to us. I'm like, you're just a an awesome Homer Utah State fan, right? It's like – even those guys had to know this. Like our buddy Sam and Logan, like, no, nah, that's not happening. Come on. We're open for bowl eligibility at best, right? I thought they would get to six and six. That's what you did. So, I, so I was optimistic about that. I was bullish on the Aggies. 
but, I even, was I, but even I did not expect this. A transfer portal helped them greatly. Blake, uh, coaching Blake Anderson coming over, keeping Devin Tompkins, who was in the portal, came out of nowhere, getting Logan Bonner, getting Justin Rice, getting these guys to come in. But this, like Utah State, like we mentioned, if you listen to our prior show, we'll, we'll just repeat it now and not say prior show, but Utah State was sort of uneven this year. They were more lucky than not in a lot of these games. Like that's they got the wins. Like win your crappy games, however you they done. Win these games where you just throw something against the wall and see what happens. But they were like not that they're lucky, but just close games. Like Washington State come from behind. Air Force is a close game. UNLV was a close game. CSU is a close game. They had a little bit of struggle in the first half versus Mexico State, and they blew out San Jose State. The Wyoming game's just weird, but. I'm not, I don't want to say that they're typically lucky because we talked about, you said the Bill C win expectancy after the fact, pretty low if they were to replay these games, but it doesn't matter. They won the games. Yeah. And they're not going to apologize for winning. No, I'm not either. I'm just, I'm just saying there's reasons to think that to see where there could be issues in this game for them playing San Diego State. Because first of all, Aztecs defense is really good. They, they have Cameron Thomas, who's really good. A lot of defenders on that team who make plays. And the one thing about this game, which is interesting, you put up seven stats, which was it seven stats, I think it was, right? To look yes. at. So go definitely read over that about different stats. It's field position with Matterize and what he can do. Um, that could be countered a little bit if Savon Scarver returns kicks pretty well or punts. So that might be uh, – that could, that will play a factor one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Riza pinpointing them inside the two-yard line or Scarver get, getting a punt – and saving it from going like out of bounds or a weird kick and getting it for a decent return. So mm-hmm. I think one way or the other special teams will play a big part in this game. I also think I was clearly Devin Tompkins because San Diego State's pass defense, there is an ability for them to give up points and yards a little bit. And Devin Tompkins is freaking amazing. And Logan Bonner's here's the thing. Best off of, best quarterback, Logan Bonner, best receiver, Devin Tompkins, Calvin Teller, junior running back, has taken a big slide, but he's still pretty good. So you just as an offense, I think, to break through at least once or twice in this game to make it within that touchdown, I think. I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, it's, there's so many things to talk about with this game just because you're looking at a team, a pair of teams that contrast so starkly with one another. Like, obviously, exactly. Utah State is, is more well-known for, you know, its offense. But, you know, don't overlook a defense that has improved over the course of the year very quietly. And then conversely, obviously, the Aztecs have one of the one of the nation's best defenses, period. But, you know, the the, the typical ground and pound offense hasn't been like all the way back to, you know, your your Rashad Penny, Donnell Pumphrey type production. They've been solid, but it's sort of been buoyed, especially in the second half of the year by quietly improved quarterback play, too. And so. I'm like, I'm having a hard time thinking about like where you want to start talking about this game. Where do you want to start talking about this game? I'm like, I'm excited to talk uh, about it. There's a lot. I, I want to see Devin Tompkins light up this defense because when you look, that's why I think is he's just the most out of all the exciting players. He's the most exciting player in the field. Okay. So let's, let's start there. Then. Sorry, Cameron Thomas. I like let's, offense. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, that's fair. But, and because I think what would, you know, if you, if you want to start, talking about like individual matchups that could make or break the game. You, know, you talk about Tompkins on the one hand mm-hmm. and then who, you know, who's going to be responsible for covering him most of the time. 
and the other person who's going to be responsible for shadowing him the whole time. Yo, is it is it going to be Taylor Hawkins or is it or is it going to be one of the young guys on that defense? You know, you know, right now, according to their depth chart, you know, the other starter at cornerback is, you know, sophomore Noah Tumblin. You know, if they decide to line up Tompkins on him, is he going to be ready for that? And so, but, but I think if, if it does end up being Hawkins, then I think that that's a potentially sensational one-on-one matchup that, that could be, is going to be worth watching in the same way that like, you know, you think about the Romeo dubs, Darren Hall matchup in last year's Nevada, San Diego state game. This has the makings of something like that, in my opinion, just because, you know, we, we, I know that we've had sort of a passing discussion about you know, pro football focuses, all conference team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know that there were a lot of people you know, quibbling about like, well, why were these guys picked and stuff like that, right? My understanding of PFF grades is that they are more or less a reflection of how often a person does their job on any given play more than anything else. That right? would be a great explanation, simple, great and simple explanation. So, so with that in mind, I think it's worth noting that if obviously I think the, I think Tompkins is one of the top two or three wide receivers in the conference. I think he's like right there with, if I remember correctly, Brandon Lewis and Khalil Shakir. Um, but it's in terms of cornerbacks playing in this game, Taylor Hawkins is far and away the number one graded cornerback by pro football focus. He had an overall grade of 85.5, which is, you know, 17th among FBS cornerbacks period. So, you know, he's, he's, good. A, he's, yeah, yeah, good. He's, you know, he's a veteran guy. He knows how to make plays. And, you know, obviously he's not the only one in that secondary that's capable of doing that. You know, Trenton Thompson has a few picks this year, you know, Tumlin and Dallas Branch, I think each have a pick or two. So like, you know, that secondary as a unit is playing at a very high level. But like, if you want to start by talking about, okay, well, what is Tompkins going to be able to do? A lot of that might be defined by how well Hawkins does in bottling him up or not. Yeah, and we look at overall what San Diego State does defensively in the past game. Their second completion percentage allowed. They are near the they are the best. They only give up tied for first one maybe yards per play, pass play. They have 15 interceptions. Their QB rating against is the best in the conference. They give up a lot of yards because teams have to throw a lot against them. So the yards per game I don't care about, but teams throw a ton against them, like almost 40 times a game. But I but I do think though that the more important players in this game, and this is, I think this is true of in terms of, you know, basically every sort of element of the game that you could think of. I think the secondary players, like the role players are going to have a much bigger impact than the primary targets. So like you think about Devin Thompson or Tompkins, excuse me. I think about someone like Brandon Bowling, who, you know, just to, to dip back into the pro football focus grades again, real quick, he's the second best graded receiver in this matchup. And, hmm. you know, while, while he is, you know, in terms of like, you know, and I'm looking primarily at like starting lineups and stuff like that, you know, he's seeded a lot of ground in the second half of the year as far as being a starter to, you know, the tight end Carson Terrell, but that hasn't made him any less productive. Like he's basically been the best one, one of, if not the best slot receiver in the mountain West this year. And so, you know, I expect that that could be a potentially dangerous matchup for the Aztecs to, to be aware of because in the instances where they got pushed this year, I think most heavily, and I'm thinking primarily of like the Fresno state game, the UNLV game and the Nevada game. One thing that all those games had in common were that the, it was the secondary guys who made the most impact. So like against the Bulldogs, for example, like Jalen Cropper had six catches for 84 yards, 
but Josh Kelly had five for 107, including a 69 mm-hmm. yard catch. You know, Carrick Weefall yeah. was the one guy who scored a touchdown, you know, four, four catches on six targets. So, you know, and, and if, you know, if you want to look at the Nevada game again, of course, Romeo Dubs had a big game, you know, nine catches, two touchdowns. Tory Horton had eight catches in that game too. You know, you know, Melquan Stovall had five catches, you know, in, in, in the UNLV game, like it was Charles Williams catching passes out of the backfield. Yeah. Catching well, the Aztecs off guard. No was, and, and, and they did it without Kyle Williams. So Stevie Jenkins stepped up and had that, you mm-hmm. know, big, you know, handful of big plays, you know, they got production out of the tight end, you know, Zyle Griffin, Giovanni Faolo. And so that's where, you know, I look at that and I think, well, that seems like exactly the kind of environment that someone like bowling can thrive in because he's not going to be going up against the number one guy. He's going to be going up against, you know, someone who might be lining up in the slot or, you know, or a safety like, you know, Trenton Thompson or Sidarius Barfield or another guy who has definitely come on strong later in the year. One guy I'm very interested to see what kind of role he plays CJ Baskerville, because we haven't talked about him a lot. And, and Barfield is the guy who's who's listed as the starter on the two deep at the boundary warrior position. But Baskerville is the guy who has started the last two games for the Aztecs at that position. And more importantly, to dip back into those PFF grades one more time, real quick, if you eliminate snap count requirements, he's the number one graded safety in this game. Which again, small sample, maybe sample sample size, you know, caveat supply. <laughs> but you know he's he's got a seventy nine point four grade in coverage, which I think if you're asking him to line up against you know the slot guys you know like bowling you know like Derek Wright or whomever, you know someone like Baskerville, someone like Barfield could have a very big impact on you know you know Utah State's ability to either create big plays or not. Let me ask you this: um, okay. if if Devin Tompkins just slowed down, I know Utah State has some good receivers. But typically, it's Tompkins or Bust almost. They have guys like Derek Wright, 40 mm-hmm. catches, Brandon Bowling, 44 catches. What would you say? Uh, I'll answer this question too, but I'll ask you, like, what do you think the baseline would be for Utah State to win with Devin Tompkins? Does he need, he, because right currently he averages 7.3 catches per game, yeah, 128.6 yards, and nine touchdowns. So for them to win, Utah State, kind of like, what do you think his, Stat line we need to be for say hey I, they could win if Tompkins does this I think he could be like sl- what do you- I think he could be slightly under that per game average I don't think he can disappear in this could matchup. an eight could an eight for ninety four to one touchdown be enough like he did yes. against Washington State yes it could but not a four for sixty no touchdown performance versus Boise State and I'll and I'll tell you why <laughs> because Tompkins Derek Wright Brandon Bowling each average sixteen point nine yards per catch. And that was something that that was something that Bill Conley noted in his preview of the game. The bigger problem for Utah State is they they have been explosive, but they haven't always been efficient. So depending on which success rate metric you want to trust in, you know, Bill Connolly's, you know, I don't I forget exactly how he measures it, but you know, by his measure, Utah State's only 105th in terms of offensive success rate. If you look at Parker Fleming in his advanced stats preview uh, at Stats of War on Twitter you know, their overall success rate as an offense is only 78th overall. But that involves a very big split between how well they do with the pass in which they are 23rd versus how they do on the ground with a running game in which they are 115th nationally. 
And so, you know, you sort of, and, and I think that sort of tracks with how they've played this year where, you know, their, their big playability has never really been in doubt. The bigger question is, can they access it? Because, you know, as we've seen in a number of slow starts, sometimes it takes them a while to get going, you know, in, in other cases. And I think this was most recently the case in the Wyoming game, you know, they got off to a fast start you know, they landed a few haymakers through the air and then they just couldn't keep it up. Think that'll be the case, maybe. Maybe, and and maybe that makes for a really in, a really useful segue into one of the other things that could definitely play a factor in this game. Uh, I would imagine it seems pretty clear that the Aztecs have an advantage in the trenches on defense because they don't have a they don't have like a sack rate that blows you away. You know, like their their team sack rate is only seven percent, which is one of the things I pointed out in those articles. So that's slightly outside the top fifty nationally. It's only fifty fourth, mm-hmm. and you know, to nobody's surprise, a lot of that has to do with Cameron Thomas, who has ten and exactly. a half sacks. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, we saw last week. You know, Jonah Tavai knows how to create havoc. Kashawn Banks is no slouch. Those linebackers know how to attack even if they haven't been quite as disruptive as they were in years past. And so, you know, I look at that and I think, okay, well, how well is this Utah State offensive line going to be able to hold up? Because they have to bring their A game. And and I say that not only in terms of like, you know, their overall sack rate allowed, which is also just outside the top 50 nationally, but even as recently as last week against New Mexico, like Logan Bonner has been prone to take a lot of hits. Which, which maybe we haven't paid as much attention to it as we have with like someone like, for instance, like Hank Bachmeyer at Boise State. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think if Utah State wants to win this game, they have to keep Logan Bonner on his feet. I don't, I mean, for, you know, for, you know, Andrew Peasley has been solid this year, but he's also been a little bit up and down here and there. And so I think their best chance is to just keep him, you know, keep him on the sidelines and then keep your starting quarterback upright so he can take shots down the field, which, you know, I look at, again, you know, if you want to narrow in on some of the more individual matchups, you know, you, you look at Thomas on the one hand, who's, you know, one of the better defenders, one of the, you know, one of the highest graded defenders by PFF at any position anywhere in college football. And, you know, I think, well, if they're looking at Utah State's film, they know that there might be a potential hindrance at right tackle in particular, where, to the best of my knowledge, Jacob South isn't going to play in this game. He played pretty well in the first half of the year. You know, he got knocked out, I believe, by injury two or three weeks ago. You know, Cole Motes has been the guy starting opposite Alfred Edwards at the tackle position. So he's not protecting Logan Bonner's blind side. But if, if you'll indulge me as far as the PFF grades are concerned real quick, um, you know, his, his, his overall grade is only 55.1. And so if you want to compare that to South, you know, South's overall grade is 75. And by you know, further comparison, Zachary Thomas, who, you know, there's no doubt about his, his abilities, San Diego State's left tackle, his overall grade is 90.5. Mm. He, he's the fourth best tackle anywhere in college football by that, by that grading system. And so I look at that and I think, okay, well, San Diego State probably knows that. So are they, are they going to take their chances with Edwards or are they just going to take their best player and line him up where Boner can see him and dare the Aggies to stop him. You know, are, are they going to put moats on an island one-on-one with them, or are they going to keep a running back in chip and give him some help? And if that's the case, you know, is that going to be enough 
to give Bonner the time he needs to throw down the field. I think what else will help is who's going to run the ball. Because mm-hmm. early in the year, Calvin, after a couple of games, like the first four games, Calvin Tyler was really good, one of the best backs in the conference. He had four touchdowns. Yes. He had a couple hundred push yards. I think that the BYU game, I think he got hurt, he missed a couple of games. He's slowly been coming back. He had a ton of carries for San Jose State, but only 61 yards and under 300 to carry. Amazingly, in the last while, he had over 100 yards and six yards attempt a carry. They need him to help, like you mentioned, who's blocking Bonner, keep him upright, because that's been an issue. Injuries in the first couple of weeks of the season, mostly I think Bonner was still recovering from an offseason or, or fall-type injury. Mm-hmm. But if they, if they get him to do, like, 70 yards, you know what I mean? Like, do what he did against Washington or North Dakota, where it's basically 14 carries for, like, 80 yards, I think that'll be enough. They just can't because Aztecs and Brady Hoke and Kurt Mannix, they'll just – attack and find their weakness and if you're a throw all the time they will pin their defense a particular way like okay fine we'll drop eight guys they'll pick like okay they can pick what they want to do essentially they know you're passing more often than not because if your running game isn't successful why put four or five guys they'll just do three guys or four guys like they yeah, will go they, heavy proved, they proved last week they could win with three guys up front against Boise yeah, State. Yeah. And it would be very, like it would be very easy for them to envision them doing the same thing against this Utah State offensive line. They and, need to have their best game of the year if they're going to have a chance in this game. Yeah, because George Law is better than Calvin Tyler. I know Boise was missing their center, but still, it's like if they could do that three guys and they could double and Devin Tompkins and just cover the middle, blank in the middle of the field, even though they go deep, but they could just pick and choose. Like, fine, we'll just rush through your guys and still get pressure on you. Mm-hmm. So I think t- Tyler needs to have a big game because then they're going to have to bring another guy up to stop throwing a game. Plaques will come into play. It could open up a lot more things. I do think regardless, Utah State can break through like the passing, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough for them to be successful offense. Um, I, I do have some news here. So it looks like Jordan, like it's kind of about Trump, but Jordan, it looks like Jordan Brookshire is going to start, which is not too surprising, partly because of the way he played and he's taking first team snaps. Also, there is a potential COVID issue for San Diego State. Okay. Yeah. So at least one tight end has tested positive. Um, Kurt Kenny of the San Diego Union Tribune is attempting to any messages toward Aztecs officials have been obviously not returned. Mm-hmm. Even bigger news, Mountain West is not aware of the situation within San Diego State football program. Okay. As as of Wednesday night, which is basically when we're recording now. Yes. So basically said so they were not aware of any situation. So or any issues, I should say, within the program. So at least one tight end and there are concerns that other players at that position and elsewhere on the team could be sidelined. So using my Sherlock Holmes hat here, if you're a tight end, who do you typically hang around? Wide receivers, offensive line, Mm -hmm. quarterback. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying you hang out a lot of people. Maybe not, maybe not necessarily running backs, but uh, that's uh, something to look out for. Okay. Okay. So they get this, some late news here at the moment. So that's and also remember the holder. That was a problem last week too. They missed the the bad hold on the field goal attempt. That's true. So we'll see because uh, that mentions here. Um, where is I have it noted here? Blah blah blah. Uh, backup quarterback Will Haskell and Jake Brownie unavailable due to COVID protocol, and that's why they went to um, a, um uh, who Jack was Browning, wasn't it? Um, yeah, sorry, Jack Browning. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, they had to change who's holding. So. But that can be concerned for offensively for San Diego State. So here's what I'm afraid of for San Diego State. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna call this a Justin Rogers effect because I nailed this 100 completely. Where they come off the bench, just play as best as they can, amazingly because games on the line. We're trying to win. We're doing this. We're doing that. Once you get a week's worth of practice, they come back to earth. Do you think Jordan Brookshire will have that same effect? I think there's a good possibility he may not be as effective, but no way he's going to be more effective for Utah State than his half of Boise State or half plus. I mean, I think with the Aztecs, it's always sort of like a, a low ceiling, high floor proposition anyway. I think the most important thing is, is he healthy? Which, you know, apparently, you know, the biggest reason why Lucas Johnson got pulled in last week's game was because he wasn't 100%. His which, day, yeah. which, which affected his ability to be effective. On and so, and so, you know, you, if you look at, you know, what they did as a team in last week's game, you see, okay, well, they only completed 55% of the pass against Boise State. Same old Aztecs, right? Yeah. Jordan Brookshire completed 73% of his passes coming off the bench. Yeah, that was really, really good. And so that's that's one of the thing, the other things I pointed out as far as the, the statistics worth keeping an eye on because it may not be like the focal point that a lot of people would think it is, but in the second half of the year, going back to San Diego State's game against Air Force, that, that game they won on the road, they've completed 61.1% of their passes you know, between you know, Brookshire and, and Lucas Johnson combined. The only time that the passing game really flopped at any point in the second half of the year was that loss to Fresno state. Other than that, like, you know, they're not, they're not out there being Carson strong or Jake Hayner or anyone like that, but they are doing exactly what Jeff Hiklinski needs them to do. They're doing exactly what Brady hope wants them to do. And so if Brookshire is healthy, like he doesn't need to be flashy. He doesn't even need to crack 200 yards in order to be able to get the job done. As long as he plays mistake-free football, which, you know, again, that's exactly what he did yeah. last week against mm-hmm. Boise State. That's more or less what he's done for the majority of the season. That is the more important thing is don't make mistakes. You know, if if the offense scuffles, no worry, because we have the best punter in America and he's going to be able to flip the field note for us no matter where we are on it. <laughs> sure. So, that, yeah. they, so they just need him to sort of play within himself in the same way that every other, you know, solid San Diego state quarterback for the past decade plus has been able to do. You know, who some under the players, I think can have a big game in this, in this matchup. What's that? Speaking since we're still talking about Aztecs offense, Jesse Matthews. Okay. Because you were on him even last year. Like, Oh, he's a good receiver. He had the three touchdown game recently. I think five of his six touchdowns have come in the past couple of games. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you're looking at kind of who could, because normally it's like we haven't even talked about Greg Bell one second yet. We know he needs to do a good job running the ball against Utah State's defense and Justin Rice and everybody. But is is Matthews? Would you count him as the under the radar player? Yes, I've always okay. thought, I've always thought he was. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going out there because what he's done the past couple of weeks. Trying to pull up his numbers now, but he had the was the three touchdown game versus Boise, not Boise State. It was the uh, UNLV game, right? Uh, yes. So he has 40 catch, 39 catches, 10 yards a pop, and for, six for scores. an Essex wide receiver, 34 catches is positively prolific. Okay. 39 <laughs> catches. Excuse me, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. 23 last year, 48 his first year. So he, but, but the main thing is like he's been improving the past couple of games, whether it be Johnson or Brookshire. Mm-hmm. He said, because versus Boise, he had three for 133. He had San Jose State a couple, of, like, look at the teams he scored multiple touchdowns against. They're good 
Well, San Jose State, good defense. He lit up Boise State. UNLV, that was a tough game, but still nine catches, three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He's been doing quite well. The, he has had 22 of his ah, – sorry, I bit my tongue there. 22 of his past 39 catches has been in the th- past three games. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I think he had nine catches the past two games. That's wild. He is going to be a key reason where – because Greg Bell has been good. He hasn't been amazing this year. He's been banged up a touch, but he hasn't been like the main running back in the conference that we thought it would be still really, really good, clearly. Mm-hmm. But he's had some ups and downs, right? And so if they get Jesse Matthews involved, that's another area where San Diego State can move the ball and not rely on their, oh, crap, it's third and five. We know they're pass. You know what I mean? Where it's obvious passing. Yeah, down. yeah. Even like third and four, it's like, oof, what are they going to do? Just because getting four yards on third down running a draw play is not a good idea. I mean, to me, like, I think the bigger the bigger question for the Aztecs in their running game is who's most likely to deliver them a big play? And in this particular case, and, and I say that because one of the big differences between these two teams is that the Aztecs have only given up four runs of over 20 yards this year, and the, the Aggies have given up 20, yeah, which, <laughs> which, which is the fewest and the most in the Mountain West, respectively. And so I look at that element of the game and I say, you know, if there's something there for, for, for the Aztecs to be able to exploit, who are you going to trust to do that? And so while, while Bell has seven carries of, of 20 plus yards, to me, I think about Jordan Bird in his, his sort of game changing speed, which, you know, he, he's not the guy that's going to go out there and get maybe even 10 carries, but, you know, with the handful of carries that he does get he seems like the most likely candidate to break out like a 30 or 40 yard run that could change the entire tenor of the game and so i look at that and i think you know well what is he going to be able to do like you know in terms of again i'm going to dip back into pff grades real quick again but he's the highest graded san diego state running back in their entire stable i can see that you know better than better than both the bells greg and chance better than Mm -hmm. king williams so you know i look at that and i think you know, if you're looking for other potential under the radar X factors, I'm looking at Bird to be that guy who could potentially change the game. And you know, you talk about special teams too. You know, he's he's a guy. He like he's still a kick returner. He's still the best one in the conference, maybe. Yeah, but him and Samuel Scarver. So that could be double. Like I mentioned, that could be a big thing where Ariza punch deep, Scarver gets 15 yards, which could go from like a getting into your own fourth to the 19 yard line or something. Yes, or Bird could do the same thing where. Just we're just flipping the position to change it. So special teams is clearly going to be the watch from the holder for San Diego State, the kick returners, because Scarver tied the NCAA record for returns, touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He's already had at least one this year, and he's been all American in the past. His receiving capabilities hasn't been living up to that same height, but that's going to be an area where typically it's not as keen folks like, oh, Matt Ariza, yeah, he's great, but gives gave Scarver a chance to return it. You never know. Like, that could make a big difference where it neutralizes it to a degree. And we write mm-hmm. the running games like a one big running play. Like we've seen that from San Diego State where guys have like four carries, but like one's like a 20-something yard play or a 30-yard running play. We've seen that across the board. Yeah, but I mean, the, the thing I'll touch about, I want to mention with Ariza real quick though, mm-hmm. um, he, he has an 84% touchback rate. Yeah, um, I know. And I believe I, I'm, I'm almost certain I'm trying to look this up as I talk, but I'm almost certain that whoever's handling kickoffs from Utah State does not have an 84% touchback rate. No, I just mean 
there's so, yeah, yeah so, like, so by so by comparison the guy who's handled the guy who handles kickoffs for utah state uh elliot nimrod his touchback rate is only 43 percent so to me that seems to make jordan bird as likely to make a big special teams play mm-hmm. as save on scarver and then let's just say like here's a plausible example Say Scarver gets a pretty good kick return. Bryce may just boom it into and say, fine, I won't get you at the five, but you have no chance to get a big return. Exactly. And just kick it, do a touchback. Yeah. So, or like or kick it, just do a touch, make it simple and like kick it out of the end zone. And then, Sorry. It, and then it becomes a matter of stringing together long drives. Yeah. Which, Regardless, which, against, which against this Aztecs defense, easier said than done. Yeah. 75 yards every time is not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to that point, you know, that was one of the other things I brought up in, in that statistics preview that I that I provided. I thought it was a really interesting sort of benchmark that the Aggies has kind of inadvertently set for themselves this year. There were only three games that they played where they they managed to fall under 42% of available yards earned. And so if this is your first time ever hearing about okay, what is available yards earned? So thinking about starting at the 25. So let's say Matariza kicks it into the end zone to keep it up safe on Scarver's hands. Utah State starts at its own 25-yard line, and they drive to the San Diego State 25-yard line, and, and whether they kick a punt or go for it on fourth down or whatever, right? So that gives you like 75 yards you can earn and 50 yards that you do earn. And so like by a percentage, that's 66.67% repeating, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that's a clear explainer. So in all but three games this year, Utah State managed to, to, to beat, or rather to exceed 42% of available yards on offense. Do, do, do you want to know where I'm going with this or have you guessed where, where I'm going with this? Let people go. Let people guess. What is the, the is three, it? the three games that they didn't <laughs> Yes, were the, were the three games that they lost. Uh, shocker. <laughs> right yeah which is not to say that they were that far away you know against Boise state they were roughly 40 percent byu was 41.2 wyoming was 41.8 and and again this is like to put this in context on defense the aztecs are only allowing 32.7 percent of available yards per drive so not an easy task so if you're thinking about you know the average drive starting at the 20 or the 25 you know you're talking about like 40% of yards would be, uh, what's 80% of 40? I don't want to do that math in my head. But basically, like, you can't get stuck on your own side of the field. You have to at least get the midfield. Not many. <laughs> even, even if you end up punting it away in order to give yourself a chance. And, and better yet, if you can put yourself into field goal range to give, you know, even if you can't punch it into the end zone, to give Connor Coles a chance to, you know, punch it in maybe a 40-yard field goal or two. So you're saying you want Aggies to kick settle for field goals, even if they're close. What? Yes. Like, yes. So- and, 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 and that relates to another thing I pointed out in the article. The one team that managed two points per drive against the Aztecs defense, mm-hmm. Fresno State. Victorious. The one game that the Aztecs lost. So you want, so basically you're saying any points you can get, take them. If you're at the one yard line, fourth and one at the goal, fourth and goal at the one, kick the field goal for Utah State. I mean, I mean, in those situations, you, you go for the end zone, you go for the points because you need but, the but points. If, but, if, but if you're like, if it's like fourth and four at the 33 yard line, what would, what would that be like? A, like a four, would 50. That be 44, no, 40? That's a 50. I think you sort of have to take that gamble. Oh, man. 
Although, you know, maybe, although maybe in that situation, fourth and fourth and 30, Anderson just goes for it. Please. Yes. I want that more. <laughs> but I, but I think, you know, I think, you know, which is all to say that whenever Utah state has a chance to press its advantage on offense, they have to try and do it. First play, go deep to Tompkins. Yeah. And, and, you know, to sort of, you know, elaborate on that point, the only team in the conference that's gone for it on fourth down more than Utah state is air force. Well, that makes sense. But, but it's been a coin flip for the Aggies because their conversion rate on fourth downs is exactly 50%. I think it all comes back to honestly, Calvin Tyler jr. Might be the key to win this game. You might be right. If he can run just enough to make the Aztecs, make the Aztecs, not just, um, either drop eight or bring the house on when they know it's going to pass. Mm-hmm. Like, and that might be okay with that four or five guys, more of a traditional type of a defense to pay attention to the run. Just make them pay attention to it. Have a couple plays, make it more, do it work. Get like, get save on Scarver the ball in the quick screen, do something a little bit different to move the ball. But I think Tyler jr. Is going to be a huge play as is. We look at the defense, like look at San Diego state, Jesse Matthews, and if he can have like a a seven catch day, would be pretty big for them. I'm not saying they need that from him, but that would be if he has seven catches, they're probably winning this game because mm-hmm. he typically gets like outside pass your games. He got like two catches a game, maybe mm-hmm. not not very often. So I think those are key areas where they can win. Um, I, I still go back to the Brookshire thing. Like um, he played so well last week, where it was mostly like momentum. We'll go out there just going to play to win and go have fun. Not fun, but you know what I mean? He's the excitement level is within him. Like, Oh, what, what's, let's go. Let's do this. Where he settles down in practices where he won't be as good. But again, he doesn't need to be as good as he was last week. It gets Boise state to win this game. He could take like a 15% drop back and still be a perfectly adequate asset quarterback for what they want to want them to proceed or not proceed, but I want them to produce. So a step back for him, would means, okay, that's about what we expected. He just overachieved and jumped the bar so high with Boise State. It's like, oh, boy, what if he falls back to earth? Well, well, that's probably what the Aztecs would have had anyways, Brookshire or Johnson. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't – the over-under is 50 points. Is somebody is somebody going to get to 30 points in this game? Are, are we thinking about projections? Are we thinking about predictions? I don't know. What do you – we've got quite a bit. Anything else to add from this game? Ooh, I, feel like, I, feel like I feel like I mentioned a lot. I know. That's what I'm saying. I think we're good. I think we're ready to get throw out the picks, man. Yeah, I mean, you obviously, you know, I have. Wait, no, um, I have a question. Who's your Who's your under radar player? I've given a couple. Who, who's your? We haven't mentioned Justin Rice once, really. Who's your like guy? Who's like who's gonna kind of uh? Yeah, he's on the fringe type of guy that if he has a good so, game. So like so like I said, I, I know that you're gonna put out our sort of our aggregate top ten most important players. Yep, on Friday. To me, the most important player on either team is is Cole Motes. Offensive tackle. Okay. From yep. Be, because if he gets lined up against Cameron Thomas, he's got to prove that he can keep Cameron Thomas off of Logan Bonner. Mm. Okay, that's, that's good. That's clearly that's that's definitely because guess what? If you can't predict the quarterback, you can't throw Tompkins. If you can't throw Tompkins, you can't win the game. Yeah, exactly. Should we give our staff our staff picture in here? They're quite interesting from what I can see. Okay. You are a dissenter, apparently, between for most people. <laughs> but what does the um, FP plus, SP plus and FBI and all that stuff say? Okay. So um, maybe not a huge surprise that they all favor the Aztecs. Um, FEI likes San Diego State by 6.3 points. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Connolly's SP Plus actually has San Diego State as the biggest favorite of the weekend. Um, they favored the Aztecs by 13.8 or 79% win probability. Uh, Parker Fleming's advanced stats preview also favors the Aztecs, maybe not by quite as much, but they still give them a reasonable 61.42% win probability. Projected margin between the two teams, 29 to 25, roughly. 13 points? 29 to 25. So about four oh. point difference between the two. Oh, Sorry, I heard they said 13 points. So, okay, my bad. Um, pick center, real quick, ESPN. Team ranking 28.7 to 21.9. Um, Aztecs are 75% chance to win the game as well. So, what's your pick, Matt? I'm going to take Utah State. I see you have Utah State. And your score? I got them winning 28 to 24. I think regardless, it's going to be a close game. There's no blowout happening. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, however, a couple of guys in our have a couple high-scoring games here a little bit. Not high okay. score, but high, high differential, I should say. But we'll have to make everybody read those picks later on. Now, I'm not going to give it all away for now. You go click the button to see what we say. I predict San Diego, San Diego State to win 21-17. So Utah State covers the six points. Okay. But – I honestly think take the under. You have just over 52 points, but if anybody gets to 30, I'll, I'll be shocked. Yeah, I would be too, I'll to be honest. If it gets to 30, it's because there's probably a some sort of a special teams or defensive touchdown, like a quick play. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only way it gets to 30. So I think this would be a this should be a really good game. Lower lowish, lowish scoring, not a lot of scoring, but a good amount. Like there's, there's good defensive football too. What Aztecs can do, Utah State has some guys out there. Like Shaq Bond maybe will make another one hand, one handed interception on the ground. Mm-hmm. Those are always those are always fun to see, right? All these guys, Justin Rice getting there, knocking the ball down from Jordan Brookshire. So, anything else to add? Because I think we've covered pretty much everything for this preview. I think we are pretty much all set. All that's left is waiting for Saturday. All right, again, twelve Pacific kickoff, Fox. Check us at mwr.com. I guess I'll say it now. We're going to attempt a halftime show on Twitter Spaces, so check that out, I guess, MWC Wire on Twitter. So I'll, I guess, Matt, I guess I'll have to set it up and figure it out because I haven't done those yet. But It'll, uh, be, it'll be a crash course. Hey, why not? Just join, ask questions, and yell at us about whatever you want. I don't care. There you go. There you go. So we can – well, we'll see if we let people talk. We'll see. Because I think you have to request people to join or oh, ask right, to join. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But it'll be fun. So we'll have a quick uh, – 10, 15 minute halftime show of the game. So check out that Twitter. A lot of more content coming out. Our picks, um, more previews are coming out. We have uh, the player aggregate, like also the, um, what is it? Position battle edge as well. I got to start get to work Thursday, Friday, get get this stuff posted. So thanks for listening. MWR.com. We'll be back to recap the game on Sunday. And then it's on the bowl season, Matt. And uh, yeah, everybody watch the game. You're a fan of Matt. Great. If you're Fresno, UNLV, watch good football. This will be a good football game. So we'll see you next time.